They used to call Lon Chaney the man of a thousand faces for all the various makeups he created. A modern-day equivalent could be Doug Jones, who has collaborated with lots of famous directors and producers, including Guillermo del Toro, on various projects, including the award-winning The Shape of Water. In addition, starring on television in series like Falling Skies and most recently, Star Trek Discovery. This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Here is a compilation of my conversations with Doug Jones here on Trek Tuesday. We start off with his role on Star Trek Discovery as First Officer Saru, and he tells us how he came up with his walk, done in a roundtable session at Madison Square Garden in New York during New York Comic Con. Yeah, the challenge for me after 32 years of playing aliens and monsters and fantasy creatures is how do you make this one different than the others? Um, uh, so, ma- so many things inform that. Uh, uh, he's he's among the smartest characters I've ever played. Uh, he so he also is was a prey species on his home planet. I, th- I feel like he needs to. He's kind of like posturing himself to fit in and to be the very very best. He wants to represent his his, his people well. So he has the behavior. Of a, of, a, of a very refined butler, like you know what I mean. So, uh, uh, so with that came a posture and, and a gesturing that, that that was very prim and proper, I believe. And but the the shoes, those boots, those hideous boots that are most painful but gorgeous to look at, that create my hoof feet. Uh, that informed my posture even more so with where where my hips are placed, how my arms flow when I walk, and and how I stand when I'm standing still. Uh, thank heaven for. Gersha Phillips and designing those boots because it's like that that was like that's something I've not done before that started from the ground up there is more sci-fi talk so stay tuned and a few years ago I spoke to him about playing an android in Space Command I'm really excited about uh, Space Command I think it's uh, I, you know I love space opera and I kind of miss it too so um, I, what, is that part what drew you to this uh, project, to, to be in something like this? You know what? I, I love that you called it space opera. That, I think that's the most descriptive thing I've heard about it yet. Yes, it, it very much is. Uh, uh, I, I think that, that is exactly what drew it to me, um, or drew me, me to it. It's, a, it's such relationship-driven, heart sto- heartfelt storytelling uh, with, with a spacey backdrop. Right? Yeah. You know, it all takes place on spaceships and other planets. But what drives it for me is that I got, well, first of all, I got to play an android. I'd never played an android character before. Yeah. Been lots of otherworldly creatures before, but never, never a mechanical <laughs> one of this nature. Now, I, I did do a couple of funny robots. Uh, I was the robot, my name was number seven, in The Benchwarmers. Hmm. And I was also, I was on wheels and kind of like completely, a, you know, in a hard shell operating a, you know, a robot and using my voice and also with, uh, I played a character named called Gay Robot in Nick Swardson's Pretend Time. That's a very funny comedian. He developed that character on his in his stand-up act, and then took it to television on Comedy Central. Bless his heart, it was just the most filthy thing I've ever played. But <laughs> but, uh, but this being an android who you know it looks more humanish and uh, uses my actual face was kind yeah. of like, oh, let's try that. Yeah. <laughs> Here he talks about filming Space Command and also his makeup. We, we filmed my bits anyway on 
different bridges of different ships and different, uh, you know, exterior shots with, you know, props and, and the set pieces in the foreground with lots of green screen in the background so they can build this these worlds uh, later. Yeah. Um, mm. So I, I can't imagine how beautifully stunning this is going to be visually once it, when it's done. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're, you kind of wear like a little bit of a headpiece on your... On I your do, head. and that, that's the you know, the part that to, to, to kind of to tone down my human look uh, they did do a little pasty makeup over my, my face skin uh, which was kind of lighter and yellower than, than you would want to be than a yeah. healthy person would look <laughs> and, uh, and then the helmet piece covers my hair and, and ears to take that, that part of humanness away so it's more of a, a metal headgear kind of helmet looking thing yeah yeah. Uh, and it's, it's but it's very, very very beautiful it's very gorgeously sculpted with lots of swirly bits and, and uh, shiny chrome looking and it's, it's, I'm, I'm kind of pretty as an android, I think. <laughs> Over those five movies, centuries take place. Oh. So, so a lot of the human characters on it will not be uh, you know, following through from one, st- one story to the next. But my character being an android will. That's right. So uh, that's why you wanted to establish me right up front as the centerpiece of this first movie so that I can carry on and, and show up in the, in the rest of the other four. Everything takes place on Earth lately, and everything is extremely dark, too. So, uh. Well, you know what? My wife, Lori, and I were just watching TV last night. We were, uh, you know, of course, I'm on Falling Skies now, so we yeah. were catching last night's episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to do that. And we were, um, of course, then we went over to FX Channel after that to watch the, the re-airing of The Strain. Yeah, yeah. And it's like all the commercials, between those two shows being as dark as they are. Yeah. And then all the commercials for other shows like it that are on the air now that are as dark as they are. It's like, I, I looked at her during a commercial break and I said, where are all the sitcoms? <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. The short tracks are something I've always liked. And he talks about Saru's short track. In the short, uh, we, go, we go back and, and discover how he how he grew up and what his curiosity, how, how it got him off the planet. He's the only one of his kind who's ever been off that planet. He's the only who joined Starfleet, and the first to go through Starfleet uh, and become an officer. So, uh, you find out in the short how much fear I did deal with in my in my real world, uh, and and how it became a part of our daily routine. Fear was just like an inherent thing that we just had to live with, even though it looks euphoric and vacation like there's something dastardly going on with our prey species, with our predator species, and uh, so we get to know more about all that through the short and and the season two. They kind of there is some tie-in. He was on Falling Skies playing Cochise, and he talked about David Icke coming on to run the series towards the end of its run. You have a new showrunner, David Icke, this year. Yes. Uh, I'm going to miss Remy because I really liked him. Uh, Loved Remy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, David's great, too. But it just seems like the tone, speaking of dark, it went even darker this year. Went so even darker. Uh-huh. Yeah. And a little more action-based this year so far. Yeah, yeah. What Remy was, was uh, as the showrunner, uh, Remy Abishan was very good about uh, keeping a lot of a lot of soul and a lot of heart and a lot of family relationship in the storylines. Uh, David Icke, of course, brings a lot of science fiction sensibility and a lot of action to it, which um, which is nice. Now we're in season four, so uh, uh, if there are people who have who needed something to wake up while watching, um, now's the season to be in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it, 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 it's good all around, mm-hmm. um, but it's a little different, a little different. And um, I think that's 
my favorite part of the show is the relationships, especially with my alien character. Uh, I tend to come throughout this entire season, um, now that, now that the, the whole mothership that came at the end of season three, my people came to, hey, hey, we're here to liberate Earth and, and fight the baddish Fenny away, and it's all gonna be fine now. End of season. Yeah. Well, season four opens up, and well, the Volm are gone. <laughs> so, like, wait, what happened? Yeah. So, uh, um, uh, well, what I like about that, though, is that, is that you know, the Volm mothership and all of our gunpower had to leave and go fight off the Ishveni from, they, they found out where we were hiding our broodmates and hatchlings, our women and children. Right. Uh, so we had to defend our own race first. Uh, but in the meantime, since I have befriended the humans to the, the degree that I have, um, I've stayed behind. Yeah, so I stay on Earth. My Kochi's character, along with a small reconnaissance team, so you'll see a few other Volm uh, around me. Yeah, and uh, we're just here, kind of like incognito now. Where that's why we're wearing hoods this season, and we're kind of like you know blending with the forest. Uh, we don't want the Ishveni to know that any of us are left here on Earth, uh, but we're here to uh, gather information and to report back to the mothership in hopes of their return uh, later to help out mm-hmm. again. So you'll see me come in and out all throughout the season, um, offering more information, another gadget they can hopefully use, and pat them on the back and say good luck. <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do this year. Uh, but my relationship with Tom Mason, uh, yeah, with, uh, that's been my favorite part of the show for me. Yeah, oh yeah, the friendship that's developed between both Tom Mason and Cochise and Noah Wiley and Doug Jones. I think we've yeah. enjoyed that friendship very much. So yeah. uh, that's my favorite part to flesh out on film. And he talks about working with that gifted director that I mentioned earlier, Guillermo del Toro. You keep diversifying what you do, man. You do a lot of different things that are really cool. Well, yeah, thank you. And, I, of course, my association with Guillermo del Toro has continued. Yes, that's right. Well, Guillermo is, uh, you know, he's he's on television these days, too. <laughs> yeah. well, right, just last night. With the yeah, Did yeah. you happen to catch uh, uh, the strain? Not live, but I will catch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that, it's in the competing time slot with Falling Skies, by the way. It's all the it, it is. It is. On FX. It is. It is. Um, so, but thank goodness we're in the age of recording one while we watch the other. It's amazing how much live TV I watch. Actually, very little these days. Yeah. Uh, right, I know, right? You know, it's so. Uh, it yeah, but now the strain is another story that I'm. Uh, I was originally he contacted me in hopes of of me doing the pilot last year, hmm. so that I could establish a character that would carry through the entire series, and I wasn't able to do it because of my prior commitment with Falling Sky. Yeah, yeah. What he did do was hold out for me, and uh, the Falling Sky season is shorter, so we were done filming that before the strain was finished for the year. Oh, good. So I did was able to run over to Toronto in early May mm. and uh, do a, a guest cameo in the season finale of The Strain. Oh, nice. That will make you go, ooh. <laughs> and once you do see that scene, you'll be like, okay, there's a character and his kind that we will see more of next year, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So that, let, let's hope I'm free to do uh, something to continue that character, <laughs> by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Because if Falling Skies comes back for season five, I'm, that's my first commitment again. As they say, that'd be a nice problem. To have. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that nice when two shows are fighting over you? Not Absolutely. A not a bad gig at all. Not at and all. also in the meantime, uh, uh, once I wrapped Falling Skies Season 4 uh, in Vancouver, I went immediately to Toronto to do uh, Crimson Peak. Oh, wow. That's right. That's right. His most recent uh, feature film. It's yeah. a house story starring the lovely, beautiful young cast of Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain. Oh, man. Uh, Charlie Hunnam and the lovely uh, young Mia Wasikowska. Yeah, wow. All these people that are on their way up. and, and oh, Totally. It's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. a powerhouse of a young cast. Yeah. I got to play 
I can't tell you. Isn't that a great teaser? <laughs> um, but it's a, I'll tell you this. Mia Wasikowska, you're following her, her character story from childhood uh, on to young adulthood. And um, she is lured by romance uh, mm-hmm. over to England where she will be living in a haunted mansion. Oh, nice. And nice. that haunted house is, is is a classic haunted house story mm. uh, that Guillermo has, has woven together uh, with great visuals and a lovely Victorian time period to, you oh, know, nice. to, with all the colors and dresses and top hats and tailcoats and, and architecture that comes with that time period. Nice. The haunted house is very much a character in the movie. Great. Um, what's haunting it and why it's haunting it and the sympathy you'll feel as an audience with that, that haunting is all yet to be exposed and, that, and that's the part we can't tell you yet. Look for Doug Jones' work wherever you get your content. Star Trek Discovery airs on Paramount Plus but we don't know what the status will be for the last season because of the strike that's going on right now. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to Sci-Fi Talk at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And there's also something you can enroll for free, a lifetime membership at Sci-Fi Talk Plus with early release, exclusive and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. And that is Trek Tuesday. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks so much for listening.